I want to believe, but I think that there's probably many of us in this room that if we looked over our journey of faith, that there's many of us in this room that, that we believe now, but there's been part of our journey where we were at this place that said, I want to believe, but maybe we believed very early on and young, and then we reached a point where we're going, I, I want to believe, I want to believe again, and, and maybe there's some in this room today that are going, I'm, I'm at that place right now. The place I'm at is I, I want to believe, but I'm just not there. And, and maybe we haven't covered your, your butt. Maybe we haven't touched on that of what your butt is, of, of I want to believe, but. See, that's what we've been looking at. That's what we've been investigating and seeing. Hey, here are these things, these, these things that, that when we look at life, it seems like there's these faith-blocking circumstances. That we go, hey, I, I want to believe, but. We started off our series saying, I want to believe, but God let me down. And we all know what that's like to be disappointed, to be let down by God. And it's not because God does anything wrong. It's not because God was lazy. It's not because God was going, I'm too busy. It's not because God's going, I don't care. It's that, that God has his way and his will. And when our desires and his will doesn't line up, then we feel disappointed and we feel let down by God. That we looked at this and said, hey, if, if, if you've been disappointed, if you, you feel like God's let you down, then, then there's some things that, that we need to look at. And, and maybe we just need to, we need to hold loosely to our plans and our desires. That we, I'm, I'm not going to hold tight. I'm just going to hold loosely so I can just kind of let that go so that I can see, God, what you want me to take hold of. That when God lets you down, maybe you need to change your perspective. That, that you go, hey, God, I, this is how I'm looking at things, and God, I, I need to begin to see things differently. Can you help me with that? That when God lets you down, maybe you need to spend more time with Him. So that by spending time with Him, you can get to know just what God is up to and what He is doing. And so that's what we looked at when we very first kicked off I want to believe, but. And last week, we looked at this idea. I want to believe, but I don't feel God's presence. And, and we know what it's like to feel something. Right? Like, when we don't feel something, we're like, I feel numb. You know, because we want to feel something. And, and, and we've watched some good movies, and we've felt something. We've read some good books, and we've felt something. We've listened to some music, and it's caused us to feel something. We know what it's like to feel something. And we go, hey, I, I want to I feel God's presence, and I'm just not feeling it. I want to believe, but I'm not feeling it. So we looked at some things here. That, that, that if you don't feel God's presence... That maybe it's because you're over-sensationalizing it. That, that you're over-sensationalizing and you're going, hey, I, I need it to feel this in order to really know that God is there. Listen, God is present whether we sense him or not. He is present. But for some of us, we, we, we over-sensationalize it. We, we've seen some other people that seem to have a more touchy-feely relationship with God. And we're going, hey, I, I don't have that. And I, I, I want to believe God. We looked and said that if you don't feel the presence of God, it, that maybe, maybe you've got too hard of a heart. Maybe your heart has grown hard. And when we look at a heart that grows hard, one of the reasons our, our heart grows hard is because of sin. 
that, that when we get comfortable with our sin, when we go, hey, that's kind of my sin. I'm going to protect that sin. I, I still want to feel God's presence, but I want to protect that. Can I, can I have both? And what we've learned to do is we, we've learned to sensulate ourselves. That we sensulate ourselves to where we're going, I don't feel the sin. I don't feel the harmful effects of sin. I'm good. And, and you know, it's okay. It's not hurting me. It's not hurting people I care about and I love. And so, so really, it's, it's okay. It's because culture has taught us, let's just put some of this on and you won't feel a thing. And while we don't feel the effect of our sin, it also keeps us from feeling God's presence. Because our heart just grows hard toward him and maybe the reason we don't feel God's presence is because God wants us to draw closer to him that God's going hey if, if, if you'll come close I got something for you that, that, that you can't experience unless you get closer and so I'm not letting you feel my presence right because I want you to get so much closer to me and you won't do it if you're already feeling my presence. And that he does this. Today we're going to look at this idea. I want to believe. But God's rules. Are so boring. That they are too. Boring. And, and, and whatever that too is. They're too boring. They're too archaic. They're too outdated. They're, they're, they just don't matter. We go I, I want to believe. But, but there's all those rules. That are keeping me from believing we know what it's like to be inundated with rules don't we that we are inundated with rules it seems like everywhere we turn that that in school we've got the rules at home we've got the rules in the workplace we've got rules that the city we live in the HOA we are part of the state that we're in has its own rules our nation has there are all of these rules we know what it's like to be inundated with all of these rules and these rules that we don't necessarily agree with are the rules that become so difficult for us and and they're difficult because we, we look at some of these rules and we go, oh, these, these rules, they're, they're, they're just not relevant. That we look at some of these rules and go, hey, they're cramping my style. They're, they're so confining. It, it's so limiting to me. I, I just don't, I don't know why we have these rules. And when we don't understand them, we, we push back from them. We even can rebel from them. And then there are religious rules and and I think we put religious rules on its own platform I, you could be religious and you put it on your own platform you, you could be the furthest from being a religious person and you still put it on its own platform because it's on a platform for you to ignore if you're religious you go hey that's on a platform that I'm kind of elevated and that's the more important one but we do we, we put this on its own platform See, there's some problems with, with religion. Well, I recently, I, I did a wedding a few weeks ago. And this wedding that I did, I performed it. And, and the best man came up to me afterwards. And he said to me, he says, I really like that ceremony. I mean, I, I'm not very religious, you know, but, but I, I just want you to know I really liked what you'd said. I like what you did. And, and he knew I was a pastor. And I responded to him like this. I said, I'm not very religious either. And he had this puzzled look on his face like, but, but you're, you're a pa pastor. And, 
If you're a pastor, that means you, you have to be religious. Well, no, I don't. In fact, I, I think that, that we're going to look and see and, and discover that, that religion's really not what God is after. That, that, that religion, that, that we've got to understand some things about it and, and where we can see some problems with it. In fact, we're going to talk about a few of these problems that I want us to look at and investigate together. Because there are three problems with religion. Three problems. One of those problems is religion focuses on the external. That it looks on the outside, it's just observing the outside. It works really hard to show a shiny outside. Anybody here ever, you look at your car and it's like filthy inside and out? And you're like going, man, I've only got so much time. Which one do you clean? The outside. Because you're going, hey, that, that's what other people are seeing. They're not seeing the inside. I just got to clean the outside. And, and, and we do, we go, I look at the outside. When I look, and so we just focus, we, we do this. And so we look and go, hey, it's one of the problems it focuses on the external. What's happening outside? What is it that other people are seeing and observing? Here's another problem. Is that religion, it fabricates pride in religious people. That, that, that it does when, when you're religious and, and you're doing good with those external things. And, that all of a sudden you start feeling a little more prideful about who you are and how you are behaving. At least the behavior that other people are seeing. What's the irony in this one is that pride is a sin, right? And, 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 and when we look at what happens is it, it fabricates pride in religious people. That all of a sudden, you being religious is something that leads you to sin. And certainly that's not what God is after. So there's certainly a problem with that. That, that religion is also, it fixates on can'ts and don'ts. That it just gets fixated on these. That very rarely do you hear somebody talking to somebody else about what they need to be doing because of who God is. Usually they get told what they should not be doing, what they need to can't, what they need to don't. That's what gets told. When you look at the Ten Commandments, I don't have time to get into all, but I want you to at least see this. When we get into the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, they're, they're broken into two different categories. They're, the first four deal with our relationship with our Heavenly Father, with God. And the last six deal with our relationship with other people. And that's how it's, it's broken into these two areas. When, when you look at the four dealing with God, three of them are the can'ts and the don'ts. When you look at the relationships that we have with people... Five of the six are the can'ts and the don'ts. And so when we start talking about these rules of religion, we've just started carrying that over and we keep talking about the can'ts and the don'ts and we get fixated on the can'ts and the don'ts of religion. That there's this thing called the Mishnah and it's, it's now, it's, it's, it's a writing. But, but it didn't used to be a writing because Mishnah in itself, is, it's, it's about this, this oral tradition it's about this repetition that you end up doing through learning. And so there would be these passing down of these oral traditions, these oral laws that the Jewish people had. And they took what God's law was and what his rules were, and they started adding to it, thinking, well, I think it might mean this too, and it probably includes, and they just kept adding and adding and adding to it. 
fact, there's, there's 63 different treaties in this Mishnah where they start coming in and they now have written down what thousands of years was oral tradition over a thousand years, right out a thousand years ago. They took the time to put this all in writing and it's rules, rules, don't, can't, all of this. It gets so fixated. And so we look at this and go, hey, there's lots of people, especially people outside of the walls of the church, and there's lots of people that are going, hey, you know what, yeah, religion's got its problems. And, and, and most of the people outside of the walls of the church are going, yeah, we, we know, we know religion has problems. It's the people that are inside the walls of the church that are going, what, there's a problem with religion? But there are, these are problems with religion. Look at Matthew chapter 23 with me. We'll, we'll look at verses 25 and 26. What sorrow, Jesus is speaking, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. He's looking at him, he's talking, you're just looking at the outside, that's where your focus is, is what's happening on the outside. He says, you blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. I really hoped when I was in high college that this verse was true. Because there was a restaurant that I would frequent called Gomez. And, and, and the, the tea pitcher just had all of this tea that just looked like it had been there for, I'm not an exaggerator, I'm really not. Months. Months. And, just, and, and I'm just going, I really hope that you guys clean the inside because the outside didn't look good at all. But when you're a college student on a limited budget, you tend to go with the cheapest option of dining out, right? And, and so that's what I did. And so just really hoping that they applied this of cleaning the inside. See, religious people, they really rely on their behavior, their external behavior. It's what they rely on to be right with God. But it just doesn't work. So I want us to, to, to look and investigate and, and begin to understand some things. And, and in order for us to do that, I want to back up in Matthew, get to the very beginning of Matthew chapter 23. And as we, as we look at that, it says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples. It, it's then because he had just finished having this conversation with these religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. Scribes were the people that they were basically the, the human copy machine for the Bible. And, and so he was having this conversation with them. And as he's having this conversation with them, he knows that they really honor King David. They, they put him on a very high pedestal. He's dead. He's gone. But they look at him and they know, hey, listen, there's this one who is to come. And it's going to come and going to happen through the lineage and the genealogy of King David. And he's having this conversation with them and what he's telling them. So he says, the spirit of God had revealed to David. That the one who would come, even following his lineage, the one who would come, that David referred to him as my Lord. Not my offspring, not my descendant, but my Lord. He knew 
that this one who is yet to come. And, and, and when Jesus pointed that out, they, they, were, they were baffled. They, were, they didn't know how to respond when he's saying, so, so how do you think that he did that? Why do you think he was referring that way? So it's right after this. Then Jesus said to the crowd and his disciples, verse 2, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. That's their job. God assigned them. This is your responsibility. Interpret the law and make sure that people understand them. Verse 3, so practice and obey whatever they tell you. The Pharisees are present, but he's got this crowd that's listening. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. Jesus never said, Do as I say, not as I do. Never left the lips of Jesus. Because he only wanted people to do what he did and said. However, when speaking about these religious leaders, he said, do as they say. Do as they say, but not as they do. I'll get a water from you. But do, do as they say, but don't, don't do what they do because they are not following what it is that even they are saying and even what they are teaching. Thank you. Extra prop this week. <clears throat> Religious leaders are hypocrites. They are. To which every single one of us in the inside is going, (laughs) yeah, you got that right. Christians are hypocrites too. Which ones? All of them. That we're all hypocrites. People from other religions, because hypocrisy is an equal opportunity, right? Right? People from other religions, hypocrites too. And those people who aren't even religious, (laughs) they're not exempt either. We are all hypocrites. What ends up happening though, what we do, is we look at people that they tend to exercise hypocrisy a little more frequently, or we look at people that the way that they are hypocrites is that they are hypocrites in areas that we're never tempted to be a hypocrite with. And so we're like, we we will point that flaw out. And it's so easy to point that one out because we go, I I would never be guilty. I, I would never be a hypocrite about that. But then the areas where we struggle with and, and we don't live up to what we even believe to be the right thing to do, We won't point that out when other people are being hypocrites in the very area that we ourselves might fail in. So Jesus goes on and continues to teach. Verse 4, talking about these religious ones that, hey, do as they say, not as they do. He says, they crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger 
to ease the burden. They don't come along and say, oh, I see you're struggling. Let me help you with that. All they do is point out where we fail. Verse 5, everything they do is for show. And on their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. And they wear robes with extra long tassels. Because the longer the tassel, they believe, showed the closer you are to God, which was far from true. But the longer the tassel, the more you've moved up in the hierarchy of religious leadership. That was true. And they loved to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. <clears throat> They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi, teacher. Oh, you, you know things that I don't. Please, 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 please. Teach. They love this. But see, it's all about religion. And there are problems with religions. But one thing that exists in religion is rules. There's rules. And, and our Bible is, is a rule book. There are some rules in it. And so I want us to, to look at three insights from God's rules. These, these three things that, that we need to learn because of the rules that God has in our Bible. That, that why all the rules? Did, did, did God just create all these rules and laws and so, so that we could comply our way into heaven? No. In fact, none of us are even capable of complying to the rules in a way that would allow us to get to heaven. In Romans chapter 3, as Paul writes this, we'll start in verse 19. He says, obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. So yes, when we look at this, there, there's some insights from the rules that we need to get. Here's the first insight. You cannot earn God's acceptance by being religious. You can't do it. We cannot comply in a way that we would follow every rule and be able to go, hey, I followed the rules. Can I get in now? Verse 20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Pretty clear, right? Nobody can be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. <clears throat> How's that for an encouraging verse? That the law simply shows us how sinful we are. See, see, this is just discomforting. This is why some people go, I gave up on reading the Bible. Yeah, because there's parts of it that, that's convicting, that, that talks about us in a way that we go, that's not flattering to me. And it is, it's discomforting. And one of the reasons this one's discomforting is because let me tell you where we are comfortable. We are comfortable with earning a right standing with God. 
That, that's where we're comfortable. We're, we're comfortable with, hey, God, did, did you see what I did? So is that good enough? You, you happy with me now? And, and, and that's what we're comfortable with. I, I want to do a few things. You know, just show me the minimum standards. That's all I want to do. I, I just want to do a few things where I, I can earn it and I can feel good about who I am and what I've done. And, and that way it's not just this freebie coming at me. But yet it does not work like that. That you cannot earn God's acceptance by being religious, by being a perfect rule follower. Because none of us are capable of being a perfect rule follower. Jesus is the only adult that has walked this earth that has perfectly followed the law. So here's another insight from God's rules. The purpose of the law is to reveal your need for a Savior. Follow the rules so that you and I can learn we need a Savior. That we need somebody who can do something for us. It's, it's through the rules that we begin to learn and understand we've got shortcomings. It's through the rules that we learn and we understand that we are a sinner. We're, we're, we're going to do something this morning, and, and some of you guys might feel like, oh, we've become a denomination, and, and we're not. We're denomination-free here, but we're, gonna, we're just going to have a little confessional time this morning. And, and this is going to be our confession booth and so everybody fits in there nice big booth okay and and, and so I'm, I'm just going to ask you and everybody can kind of play along I'm, I'm going to participate and so we're just going to do a little confessional time okay and so so here's here's the first one how many of you have ever lied yeah okay here's another one how many of you have ever stolen something Last one, how many of you have ever had this lustful thought over somebody else? Yeah. Let me tell you what that tells us. The church is full of liars, thieves, and adulterers. That's who the church is full of, right? So when we look at this, it's only the law, here's the rules, this is what we cannot do, that we begin to discover, oh, I'm a, oh, I'm a sinner, that the law exists to point that we cannot earn our way. We have failed the law and that we need a Savior. We need someone who can rescue us from ourselves. <clears throat> Verse 21, Romans chapter 3. <clears throat> But now, God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. That God's shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. And that is through a Savior, which brings us to our third insight. Being right with God only comes from having faith in Jesus Christ. 
that if you're taking notes, underline that word only. Because it's only from having faith in Jesus Christ. Let's get to the next verse in Romans 3, verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. That when we put our faith, our trust, our hope in Jesus, that's what gives us a right standing with our heavenly Father. So religion is about mankind's performance. That's what religion is. It's this perform. I got to perform. I got to perform. I got to do. I got to do. It's about performance and we focus on this external performance. So you don't need religion. What you need is Christ. Some people go, well, we need Christ plus religion. No, you just need Christ alone. That's what we need. The, the religion, it, it complicates with rules. What God made simple with relationship. Think about that. The religion, it complicates with rules what God made simple with relationship. The, the religion, it, it complicates with laws what God made simple with love. That's what religion does. Let me complicate this. Let me bring in all these laws. But, but yet God had made it simple with love. So let me share this thought with you. <clears throat> Talking about rules. Talking about God's rules. I, I, I want to believe that God's rules, they're, they're too boring. And, and when you take rules and you have rules without, you, you, you subtract out relationship. That, that when there's rules minus relationship, that is always going to equal something. And what rules minus relationship equals It's rebellion. It, it, it's true of God's rules and people that don't get it and because they don't get it because they don't have a relationship. All they have is the rules. And, and you've got so many well-intended Christians that keep trying to heap on the rules of people that don't even believe in Jesus and they're trying to make their first entry step into Christianity, into a relationship with God. They're trying, hey, you, you gotta have the rules. And rules is never where God wanted us to start it was always with relationship he created Adam he created Eve and then he had relationship with them he wanted this relationship and then he got hey here's here's a rule and that rule was broken see rules minus relationship it, it, it equals rebellion you know where we find this besides Christianity and faith in our homes don't we Finding our homes when, when it's, we make it all about the rules and we don't focus on the relationship with our kids. And it's rules minus relationship. You know what it equals? Rebellion. Now, sometimes there's, there's rules and relationship, and we, we're doing both. 
And, and we're going, hey, we're, we're still getting some rebellion here. But you will almost always see rebellion when you have rules minus relationship. Because it will lead to rebellion. Well, there's something else I want us to see. And that is, if we have rules plus relationship, that equals respect. Not a one-way channel respect, but mutual respect. Where there's respect flowing both ways. One of my college professors, as he was preparing us for, for ministry, he shared this insight one day. What he said is he says religion is mankind's attempt to find God. That, that's what religion is. It, it's, it's, it's man searching out and seeking to find, seeking to discover. How can I find God? And, and they go about it through these religious ways, these religious means that religion is mankind's attempt to find God. And then he said this. He said, relationship is God's attempt to be found. That it's relationship of God, that this relational one who, who created us to have relationship with him. And relationship is his way to be found. And so, yes, there are these rules, and the rules show us we, we have a need. We, we, we can't live up to them. The, the rules show us, hey, we have a shortcoming. And the rules show us, hey, listen, the only way that we can have a right standing with God is through what Christ did for us. Let me share this story with you. Back in the days of slavery, and there was a man, and a single man, and he was digging and searching for gold, and he ended up striking it big. And as he struck it big, he, he filled a, a sack full of gold, staked his claim down on that land, took his horse and his carriage, and he rode into town because he knew he needed to go stake his claim and put this gold down on deposit. And so as he was riding into town, he saw all this commotion happening and, and people were being loud and jeering. And so he, he got off and he walked over to it. And what he saw was he saw a young girl being sold into slavery. And this girl was just crying. She was weeping. And then he could hear the men bidding on her and saying what they were going to do with this girl. Took that bag of gold and he held it up and he said, I'll give all this gold for that girl. Nobody could compete with his bid. And so he bought this girl. And as he was taking her to his carriage, she spit at him right in his face and said, I hate you. I hate you. She's just screaming and crying as she gets put on that little buggy carriage. He rides further up, goes into the city office, comes back out just a few minutes later with two pieces of paper. 
one of those pieces of paper was his claim, his right to that land where he's got more gold. The other piece of paper was her freedom papers. And he gave her those freedom papers and he told her, I bought you to set you free. You're free. She looked at him, gave him a hug, and said, I love you, I love you, I love you. Because, see, the relationship was one that he used and said, I'm using my resource to do for you what you could never do for yourself, and I set you free. Let me bow your heads with me. you're here this morning and you've never had a relationship with Jesus maybe you've gotten familiar with some of the rules and maybe you've gotten comfortable with the religion but you've never had a relationship with Jesus your Savior and this morning you're going wow Jesus Paid that price that he paid to set me free. And when you see it like that, the rules, the rules are something that you go, out of gratitude, I want to begin to live life the way that God said this is best because of this relationship that you can now so clearly see. That if you've never jumped in with faith like that, a faith that says, I'm trusting you, Jesus, to be my Savior, to forgive me of my sins and give me a right standing with God because I can't earn it. If you've never done that, today you're going, I know that's what I need. And the rules make sense to show me that that's what I need. If that's you, would you just raise your hand quickly and just make eye contact with me briefly and go, that's me. Well, I, I need that relationship. That, that today, this, this is for me. Is there anybody in here that you would say, yes, I know that I need Jesus and I need to start a relationship with him? I don't see anybody, but I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. Just in case there might be somebody in here and you're just a little too intimidated to go, hey, that's me. So if that is you, would you just pray this prayer? Heavenly Father, Thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus to pay the price of my rebellion. And today, I see so clearly that I need a Savior. That I have sins, these shortcomings, and there's nothing I can do to earn your favor or to earn a right standing. And so, Jesus, I accept what you've done for me. And I receive that as, as a gift. And I thank you for it. I ask Jesus you to come into my life, into my heart, and lead me 
into a relationship with my heavenly Father. In Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.